Welcome, one and all, across the Alpha Quadrant and beyond to Lower Decks, a Star Trek podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial Star Trek podcast. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hailing frequencies are open. I hide behind nothing. Lower Decks, a Star Trek podcast by Fantastic Geek, for episode 209, Wish Douche, comes to you now via punitive spiritualism. Pete, that was some great Klingon pronunciation there. Uh, in the English, of course, Three Ships uh, is the name of the episode. And just a bit of fleet news before we launch into uh, Wedge Dudge. Uh, Pete, have to note that in this New York Comic Con weekend, there was the Discovery panel yesterday. As we are recording, uh, the Prodigy premiere will be later today. And uh, we're going to podcast all the uh, all the STU that Star Trek universe goodness uh, tomorrow. Splitting them up here because they had a little bit of difficulty in terms of selling tickets. I did see that Sunday tickets, tickets for today for New York Comic Con sold out, but I did not see for any other day. We have chosen not to attend as the situation still remains precarious, even as fully vaccinated individuals. Uh, but so much of this is online. So other than the trailer for Discovery, we were able to watch it all. And uh, we will discuss that tomorrow. Curious, no lower decks, uh, but they've made the rounds. Uh, Jack Wade is at uh, New York Comic Con uh, pushing the boys. And, uh, you know, when there's news there, there'll be news there. Absolutely. With that, let's head into the Ready Rundown. Program complete. Enter when ready. The Cerritos is on a long haul for 12 hours, so everyone's got time. Our lower deckers are going to hang, just not together since they've all got bridge buddies. Well, everyone except Boimler. Maybe life is better for the Klingons. Meanwhile, on the Klingon bird of praise lower decks, Ma'a is punched awake. He's feeling it at helm and might be in a position to be the new first officer. It's logical. Ha, logical. Avoid death and cower. Ma'a goes to the bridge, the captain and commander in a fight to the death, and the first officer is dead. The job is open to whoever is most impressive today. The captain's targ gets a compliment, which impresses the captain. Ma'a has got to walk the targ until it passes the traitor's leg. It ends up being an honorable movement. The captain is seething, though. Klingons are so weak now. No respect for tradition. Private messages come from, gasp, the Packlids. The Klingon captain will beam over soon, with Ma'a. The captain is using the Packlids to help send the Quadrant into chaos. They beam to the Packled ship, Packled, and the Packlids need another Veruvian bomb. They wanted to test the first one, and it exploded, like bombs do. That also would have left Metreon particles, unusual energy. Meanwhile, on a Vulcan cruiser's lower decks, Talin has detected readings on long-range sensors after augmenting them. The readings feel off. So emotional. The captain can't understand why Talin followed her gut using instincts. She explains the radiation is unusual and that she is working on another project. She is punished with silent meditation for such childlike behavior. She goes to meditation but continues to work. Talin notes her crew people should follow less rules. They're like Borg drones sometimes. 
She's told she has such a relaxed attitude. Meanwhile, Boimler is still looking for a bridge buddy. How about Kayshawn? Carno in the forest with Myra? Oh no, a reference to Myra is a reference to being overweight. Boimler tries pottery class with Rutherford and Shax, but a mention of Bajor sends the Bajoran into a rage. Put into the clay, Papa Bear. Boims tries out the El Capitan hollow program where Ta'ana and Tendi are climbing. His hover boots malfunction, ow. He swings by the captain and mariner phaser training and mother-daughter fighting, and then crosses paths with Ransom and two other officers, all Hawaiians who love Hawaii. Want to hit the hollow later? Unless you don't love the islands. But he's not from Hawaii, and Boimler's concerned that he's going to be found out. Still, he shows up to the luau. Mariner and Freeman end up playing Space Clue, but there's been an anomalous reading. They're going to check it out. The Cerritos arrives at the Pac-Led ship, Pac-Led, and the Klingon ship, but both are attacking the Ritos. Available bridge crew arrives, and Boimler tells the other Hawaiians he's not from Hawaii. Neither is the rest of the group. They just wanted to be friends with Ransom. Who's not from Hawaii? He's from the moon. Turns out they're all from moons, except Boimler. On the Klingon ship, Ma'a says this scenario is without honor. After all, Klingons sabotaging peace is something that tends not to work out. Meanwhile, on the Pakled clump ship Pakled, the lower deckers there want to eat potatoes. Back to the battle, the Vulcans have arrived with shields up, but shields fading fast. However, Talin has a shield regeneration program. Her instincts tell her it will work. It works, and the Vulcans disable the Pakled ship. On the Klingon bridge, there's a fight for power, a surprisingly well-choreographed fight, culminating with the captain being bitten by his own targ, then kicking it. The animal abuser gets a blade from Ma'a. Make it Captain Ma'a. Time to go home. The Cerritos fires on the Pakleds, and the Pakled ship Pakled warps away. Victory again from the Federation Vulcan bond that spans the... Oh wait, the Vulcans don't want to chit-chat. Goodbye. Speaking of goodbyes, the Vulcan captain notes that Talin's instincts saved the day, and she's being removed from duty. He thinks her hothead ways would be best on a Starfleet vessel. As for our, the lower deckers, they wrap in the bar, planning to hang out next time. There's free time. But a cadet tugs on Boimler's arm. Can you help me be organized? Let's talk about duties. The real action is on the lower decks. As the episode concludes, we see Borg Cube lower decks. Drones just stand there for the credits. Red alert. All hands stand to battle stations. We have that incoming threat analysis, Pete. Let's start by talking about Captain Dorg. Yes, I love that the conceit of this episode is to take us across the lower decks of these three vessels, although there's really five vessels when you factor in the... Uh, Packlid and the Borg at the very end there, but that we've now gotten who was manipulating the Packlids, uh, giving them presence here, Veruvian bombs, uh, as well as information to manipulate them. Shades of obviously Star Trek six, the undiscovered country, um, and hence the conflict with, uh, the Klingon uh, lower decker Ma'a. I think that it was obviously in line with what we've seen from Klingons for a hundred years. Um, 
I was a little surprised that we had the grand reveal in this episode and not in the season finale. It makes me wonder, you know, to what degree next week is there still more pack-led threat or pack-led conclusion, whatever that might be. But again, just kind of completely in line with Klingon motivations. Um, and I guess I also appreciated that the show had Dorg note that the pack leads are hungry for power, which on the one hand, I I kind of knew, like I kind of knew instinct instinctually, but it was great to kind of have that repeated because it's like, yes, they do want all this power and they do want all this respect and they want, want, want without actually doing, uh, which of course takes us to the <laughs> pack led clump ship pack led and it's captain Rebner. Uh, maybe there was a discussion to call him captain pack led. Uh, although, <laughs> although I get why, I get why they, that, that might've been one step too far, but Pete, your thoughts on Rebner who didn't quite understand why the bomb only exploded once. Right. And that he's got lower decks of, uh, <laughs> then they're just pack lids sitting in front of food stores, <laughs> pack led potatoes who get hungry and others recommend to eat and are viewed as smart. It was, it was just, I don't know. Both threats were delightful in their own uh, ways. Pete, I'm going to call an audible here. It's not on our list. Um, Is the Vulcan way of doing things kind of a threat? If not to Talin, then had they shut down Talin, then there'd be no more Cerritos and there'd be, an escalation of war and so on and so forth. So Vulcans, should they be on the list? Taken one step further, the jerky way in which they save the Cerritos and then like, oh, no more communication required. See ya. Um, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> to me, that was just so on brand with the Vulcans. Because let's not forget, not, not that I think anybody forgets, but I think there's kind of the default Vulcans have no emotions period and that's never been the case it's that they have pushed the emotions way down and that's something that Pete I'm gonna say it the JJ films kind of kind of re-highlighted that uh as an aspect of Vulcan culture so like it's just completely in line with the Vulcans who have no emotions but are arrogant enough to be like you know great battle over don't need help hang up it, it, it the whole thing the whole thing was a delight and to force a transfer to Starfleet, like it's some kind of dumping ground. Uh, and then to Lynn to leave the room to push back on that with the old live long and prosper, sir. Um, well, Pete, I think that we should talk more about to Lynn uh, just after this scan for theories. So, Pete, now that we're officially scanning our sensors for theories, uh, discussion online, I think just discussion in one's mind as you're done with the episode, we love all our main lower decker, you know, our, our Starfleet 4 and the supporting cast and then the supporting supporting cast. Do we do we have a tra trajectory where Talin is headed to one of the lesser boats of the fleet, the Cerritos? I, I mean for certain i just wonder whether or not it had happened in the next episode these uh beliefs feelings instincts that get labeled by the uh vulcan cruiser cheval's 
uh, captain as impulsivity and hey, we're not going to send you back home. Instead, you're going to Starfleet. I mean, why can't she? Uh, the the trajectory at the end of this episode that Freeman's got to get in touch with um, Starfleet Command to discuss with the Klingon High Council. We've talked all season the potential for her promotion. You know, she's dealt quite a bit with the Packlids. I think it all lines up. It'll be interesting, too. Like, here we are 19 episodes into this series. I think there's enough of a resume to say, do they have an eye towards multi-episode arcs? Absolutely. Um, But are they beholden to drop a hint in episode six, develop it in episode seven, boom, in episode eight. Now it's the big, it's the big threat. Um, They're not that, I'll say slavish. I mean, I don't mind episodic or, you know, I don't mind serial storytelling at all, but they're not that slavish to it. The nature of what they're doing is a little bit more standalone, a little bit more like, Hey, this is our one that's going to be the crazy, you know, uh, last week, uh, crazy different simulations. You know, it's not quite alternate realities, but we're we're going to do a whole bunch of different crazy scenarios and not really worry about, you know, where's Mariner and Mom up to that sort of thing. Um, in regards to Talin, I think of Kayshawn, who introduced as this brand new character and obviously taking over for Shax. And then Shax comes back and we say, well, what about Kayshawn? What about Kayshawn? Just to several episodes later. Oh, there's Kayshawn in the background. A couple episodes after that. Oh, Kayshawn is still a bridge officer. Uh, right. There's probably three or four ship, uh, ship shifts, not ships, <laughs> shifts uh, on the Cerritos. So maybe Shax is A shift and Kayshawn is B shift. And they can both be in charge of security when they're when they're on the bridge. That sort of thing. Um, so again, back to Talin fully. Is it a next week thing? Is it just, oh, episode 304. Talyn is back. Both are possible on this show. I think we'll definitely see more of her. I like the pseudo serialized nature of what they do. Would it help to know like what exactly Kayshawn's responsibility is? He's security. He's a bridge officer. So is Shax. Are they splitting duties? Is he his uh, number two in that regard? I mean, it, it would definitely help to have that spelled out. And I think if nothing else, it speaks to how well the show gets you on board with these characters. I mean, there hasn't been a ton, a ton of screen time for Kayshawn. There's been less time for Talyn. And the fact that here we are, we're spending time saying, oh man, that lady who saved the day then got fired. I hope everything's okay. And I hope she can hang out with our Lower Decks friends again soon. Or for the first time, you know, be, be in an episode uh, 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 with our Lower Decks friends soon. It just speaks, it speaks to how great this episode is, how great this show is. I, I mean, Pete, we're talking theories. So let me ask you this. Have you ever falsely claimed that you were from Hawaii? Oh, all the time. <laughs> um, that was great. I mean, again, it's largely it's largely played for Boimler needs a home this episode. You know, he needs an emotional home. Okay. And it's an opportunity to show him not fitting in because uh, he's telling this lie and so on and so forth. But then you even get the humanizing elements of they're all doing it because they all want to connect. And then they make the real connection of the moon thing. And it's like, 
there's the comedy of we're back to where we began, which is Boimler's on the outside looking in. But it's also along the way, it's like, oh, man, Ransom is so put together in every, you know, professionally, personally, uh, in terms of his relationships, romantic and and otherwise, uh, fit guy, you know, commander in Starfleet and all that. Back when he was just Nensen, he just wanted to be friends with people and, you know, blah, 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 the whole Hawaii thing. Again, it just speaks to how this really, really is a character's first kind of show. Yeah. And what throws it over the top is that the alien character has been claiming to be from Hawaii. Now, does that make sense in uh, this time in Starfleet? Absolutely. Could have been born there. Could have lived there. Um, you know, and then he's the one to say how insensitive it is that Boimler would pretend uh, to be a, uh, from a moon. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 the show on that edge between reality and farce um, that just works. You, you know, we've talked many times before about it, is there an opportunity, whether it's a short trek or whatever, where you get a live action lower decks? And I think for a lot of people, you know, the actors are there, like just in terms of you know the actors look like who they are voicing, and you could you could. I'll say easily do it. I mean, I'm sure it would be, you know, you're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars to get a, you know, even a 15 minute production together, but it's like, it's there for the taking that said there, there continues to be something about this show that, that, that is best in animation. Pete, I'll even do you one better for those who listen to us on the pop culture podcast feed. This is the best animated episode that we have podcasted this week. (laughs) <laughs> that says a lot <laughs> and yeah that's up against for for those who don't listen to our uh marvel podcast that's up against the season finale of what if this is a better animated show this has better emotional connection and just just more fun on the lines of Talin popping back up that ma'a has taken command rightfully of the klingon bird of prey chita uh, and it's going back to talk to the high council. I'd really like to see the deep space dynification of lower decks where we get a staple of other characters that kind of rotate in and out. That, that would be fun. Um, again, you know, Pete, I'll, I'll invoke my least loved uh, Star Trek series of the Kurtzman era in short treks. There's the place for that. If you want to say, no, 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 it's here. I'm Mike McMahon. And here's the argument for as to why this was a nice kind of one-off and an amusing way to, to tell a whole bunch of jokes and to advance kind of the geopolitical plot of the season. Heck, if not to kind of hurry things up and say, all right, now we're almost close. You know, now we're 25 minutes away from resolving the threat. Fine. Uh, And here's why we're not going to do a rotating cast. Then my goodness, throw me a six minute, continuation of captain ma'a on uh, on short treks show me uh <laughs> maybe not quite six minutes of uh, you know on the pack let end show me more of this the vulcan ship or show me talin transferring whatever it is great characters and there's a place to put them how about the uh Ritos shirt matt when can i order one of those <laughs> i know on one of our old uh i guess it was season two um discovery podcasts where <laughs> you asked a similar tongue-in-cheek question about the uh the disco shirt and i don't remember whether you had said it 
with knowledge or in a similar tone but it was you know while we were talking i checked out startrek.com slash shop and it was there so let me do that now startrek.com slash shop because clearly it was a, at the very least it was a bit of having fun with the disco shirt um, and really the first time they've ever referenced discovery um yeah and let's see pete there are shirts that read nickelodeon star trek prodigy um as well as mugs that say nickelodeon star trek prodigy i think they're they're really keen on the prodigy stuff by the looks of it you know those kids and their cartoons and mugs right absolutely well and, and also um the star trek prodigy key art sherpa blanket not a joke <laughs> um yeah i'm looking at this going where's the rito shirt because i wouldn't let me this way the well i don't know the adult prodigy shirt which just says nickelodeon star trek prodigy little steep i'm sorry adult kids bundle 27.95 so that's not that's not too bad for two shirts you tell me i can get a Ritos shirt for 18 uh, they're probably gonna bang you for shipping but you know I-, I would be interested so where is it somebody needs to at i don't know whom at mike mcmahon and say hey i heard on at fantastic geek that there's no Ritos shirt where can we get them from if not homemade or you know the, the various t-shirt making websites where can we get something that's official and send them to us uh, there's that too mike mike mcmahon you can be in touch anytime you want i particularly appreciated the go at the epic um trek film style music in this episode well I would add to the music, the battle scene um, had me thinking back to the Battle of the Binary Stars and Discovery, where it was like the first time you saw ships <laughs> ships actually moving a lot in a battle. I mean, I know we've seen it in Star Trek uh, before, but just the notion of like, hey, Cerritos, you're just sitting there. Like, I get it's animation. It's also kind of the next gen model style and all that. But can we can we go full to impulse and start flying circles around but that notwithstanding the battle is great uh the fight between uh the klingon captain and ma'a is surprisingly well kind of choreographed and i think they land on the right side of emotions when the targ gets kicked and you're like that guy just kicked his dog like that makes me feel a little bit better you know 10 seconds later when he gets a very big blade up his gut and killed like emotionally blocking wise it's all it's all really great this is as i say many many times before this is you know a live action episode with just some of the live action uh uh, boiled off of it and the use of the trope that we've got people in r&r situations that they're in holodecks that they're you know uh throwing pottery and that everybody is summoned at a red alert to their duty stations you know you've got the helm officer who was skiing or whatever it was in in cold weather gear um they've done this in live action but to have it all go on and to show it in such an animated comedic way they really top themselves yeah, I mean, it, it's leaning into the notion that they're spending 12 hours in the middle of nowhere. So really, really, really 
95% of the people can have the day off. Um, would you go to the trouble to make 20 different costumes for a live action episode? Probably not, but you can go to the trouble here because it's going to take you infinitely less time to draw. You know, Pete, I think I sp- spied uh dude in um medieval dress and things like that. Mm-hmm. Like you, mm-hmm. you go have your fun on the holodeck, dude. You do, you do you Pete. What else is on your sense oars? Did you get a Sidequa Martin green vibe out of the one unnamed lower decker on the Vulcan ship? Pete, there was a certain, um, you know, energy in her voice that seemed evocative of SMG. Uh, I would assume if it was actually her doing the voicing, there would have been some razzmatazz to it. But uh, yeah, but I um, checked the there's not even a name for the character. I, I checked the voice cast. Nothing. I wondered, too, if they may be like, oh, this would be really fun. And we're on lockdown and you could do this while you're on the set of your show filming season four. Uh, you know what? Let's bring let's bring more crossovers like that, because uh, that notion is a ton of fun. Lastly, Matt, will our lower deckers move up? I mean, that's kind of been the question for these last two seasons. I guess you could still be a lower decker as a lieutenant junior grade. Does it somewhat de? Does it remove the bar from Cheers to say now the lower deckers don't go to bed across from each other each night or wake up together each morning or I'm going to change into that Hawaiian shirt while you put on your, you know, or, you know, while you chill out before mom calls you to go play Space Clue. I I guess that's a long way of saying I think there's a story argument to be made that they don't need to move them up. Now, that's with the knowledge that a third season is underway. By the end of the third season, do you need to either promote them or sit and go, oh my goodness, I can't believe the whole crew is being put on probation for a year because of the mistake we made like you kind of need to start to excuse it soon i just don't know that it's this season with that let's go to hailing frequencies hailing frequencies open sir we take to twitter where uh, a poll was run uh which ship would you like to lower deck on uh pete <laughs> a surprising 15.2 percent said the borg ship um, I guess they're, they're, they're really great working on a team. Uh, 18.2% said, uh, Vulcan 6.1% said Klingon and 60.6% said Starfleet also got some, uh, replies here, uh, of this episode. James is a geishas, That's at big killing on Twitter said probably my favorite so far the show is funny, plain and simple. The moon slash Hawaii bit made me laugh out loud. Also, Twitter needs a fifth poll option because the pack lift lower decks were lit. Uh, at, at Gabrielle Ruiz as live action to Lynn and Ensign Castro now. Uh, so I I think that's a great... Uh, Pete, Pete, you might know Gabrielle Ruiz as Valencia on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Um, Pete, we're all saying we want to see some of these adventures turned into live action. So make it happen, Mike McMahon. Uh, we heard from Jackie Wolf as well, uh, at Jackie Wolf on Twitter. Lower Decks managed to produce a great episode in itself while setting up future plot points. So fun to see the interior workings on some other ships. 
the way the animation team rendered the exterior of the Vulcan ship was especially impressive. Uh, I feel the need to bring up something that's been bothering me, however. I've noticed a few instances of body shaming on lower decks, most recently involving Boimler mixing up his Temerian and inadvertently accusing Kayshawn of gaining weight. Can we not Star Trek on P+. Uh, Pete, I will add to it uh, the lion in Temerian about gaining weight involved the name Myra, which made me think of former after-show yeah. host Matt Myra, who yeah, I think would you know, has been upfront and saying he's not the most svelte guy out there. I enjoy a chuckle as much as anybody else, but, you know, uh, Matt Myra was not done well by Star Trek, and now there's maybe a Matt Myra joke about him, whether it's looks or, you know, and then somehow involving weight. I don't know. Your thoughts there. Do better. Do yeah. better. Uh, we heard from Spider-Ham Lincoln. That's at TessLC139, who says, really fun episode. Was this three ships? What a unique concept to replicate itself into other Trek races. As the great Brad Boimler once said, the real action begins on the lower decks. Uh, Spider-Ham Lincoln also says, we need a spinoff called Borg 90182 about <laughs> angst-ridden lower deck drones as a transition from tertiary adjunct to primary tactical. Um, and he, of course, references that 90182 is a Los Angeles postal cult. I actually had the, I had the same thought when they showed it there with the number. And I think that while I would welcome the teasing out of that joke more, I think that maybe the joke being... Get ready for the most angst-ridden Borg lower deck story you're ever going to get. <laughs> beep, boop, boop, beep, you know. Yes, that they're all in the regeneration cubes there. Uh, a couple more tweets here. First one from Karina. That's at Karina GW. I very much want a Borg lower deck screensaver. Um, Madeline Eaton. That's our pal Maddie from L.A. I'm all in for Talyn joining the Ritos. And uh, Sarcastic Canadian, that's at Sarcastic Can. I assume that's what they're doing, introducing her as a new main slash supporting character. So, uh, Pete, like they used to say on another space show, so say we all. Sounds like we want more to Lynn. Absolutely. Well, Pete, this entire adventure made possible by those who support us on Patreon.com slash Fantastic Geek. What say you? Get yourself over to patreon.com slash fantastic geek today. All sorts of exclusives behind that door that takes just a dollar a month to get yourself behind, but you place the value on the podcast. Uh, and if you can't contribute this month, get yourself over to Apple Podcasts where you can leave us a rating in seconds, a review in a couple minutes. And Pete, let's keep the Star Trek conversation going ahead of our NYCC podcast tomorrow and ahead of the Lower Deck Season 2 finale next week. How can people be in touch with you on Twitter? you find me at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 12,091 followers, can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast. Comment on FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, there's more. Facebook slash FantasticGeek.com. Get yourself there today. With that, Pete, looking very forward on this feed and the Pop Culture Podcast feed, talking about the Star Trek at NYCC tomorrow. Uh, of course, on the Pop Culture Podcast feed next weekend, wrapping up lower, uh, wrapping up what if, pardon me, uh, for the season, and then the season finale, as mentioned, for Lower Decks next weekend as well. With that, I will say adios to all the listeners and give you the final word. 
avoid death and cattle. Never fails to take my breath away. I wish I could kiss her and squeeze her. Excuse me?